So, how are y'all guys doing? Doing good? Doing all right. Doing pretty well. Been kind of a interesting week and good weekend, but um, gearing up for the holidays. Kind of a busy time. I'm sure you're feeling the pressure, Bradley, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I met with my clergy covenant group yesterday afternoon in Silva, and we all kind of talked about Advent as at once a wonderful season, but at the same time, it, it sneaks up on us every year because there's the conference business stuff from September yeah. through November. And then you're like, oh, good, I'm done. And then it's like, oh, wait, Advent. And as soon as you're done with that, it's, oh, wait, Ash Wednesday, Lent, and then Easter and Holy Week. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, summer. Now I remember why we all like summer so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. I bet. So, um, how, how many weeks of Advent are you doing this year, Bradley? Uh, the same number as every week or every year. Um, so there's four there's weeks of Advent. Four. <laughs> yeah, the, the interesting thing about how, how Christmas falls this year, because it's always on the 25th, but because of our calendar – uh, the, the Julian calendar and the way it works, Advent always begins the exact same number of days from Christmas. There are always four Sundays leading into Christmas. But however those Sundays happen to fall, you can end up with an Advent season that is, this year we've got from the 27th of November, technically until the 24th of December, is all Advent. Christmas begins on Christmas morning or, or for the Orthodox and for right. the Roman Catholic tradition, it, it begins at midnight with a midnight mass. In in a lot of years, Advent doesn't begin until a couple of days into December. And so you end up with right, right around, you know, 20, 23, 24 days of Advent because of just how the Sundays fall. So, but this yeah. year's We're interesting. actually doing... <clears throat> Yeah, we're actually doing, I, I don't know if it's because of the calendar itself, like you're talking about, but we're actually doing seven seven weeks of Advent, lighting additional candles and everything. So we've actually been the in the Advent season at our church of weeks already. So, I mean, and the way he uh, Rick was describing it was, you know, the first couple of weeks was kind of airing for the Advent season itself. And right. I think it kind of goes to what you were talking about, you know, you know, the Advent season is always a very hectic season this time of year, always very hectic. I mean, I know, you know, us trying to find time between our schedules and everything just to put out a podcast and to record something is, you know, it's a little difficult. And the time for, you know, me being on the West Coast and you get you guys on the East, obviously, makes it a little bit more of a challenge. But we are here. This is a uh, um, podcast. Um, we you know, we're, we're very excited. <laughs> we hope we're, we're very excited about, um, this started. Hopefully by this point, um, people are starting to, you know, read us on, on Facebook, uh, look, look at our page, follow us on Twitter, as well as listening to the introduction podcast that we had. And it did have a little bit of rambling, which I, um, you know, I was actually kind of happy about it. Uh, put something on the Facebook page saying, you know, this is the podcast that years from now, when we're, you know, a raving success, we're going to look back and we're going to, you know, smile about the fact that we had such humble beginnings. But you know, <laughs> That's I, a I'm, statement. yeah. But personally, I'm very, you know, I'm very proud. I'm very happy with this first step and the first couple of steps that we're doing. Um, uh, I am, you know, I am quietly I optimistic. <laughs> I, I feel about it. Much yeah, more, exactly. Uh, like how Kevin Smith describes in uh in his first evening special um where he's talking about how he wanted to be in his first movie he wanted to be in clerks even if just for a moment so if nothing else he could always yeah. watch with friends he's like remember when my life went down the drain remember here's the exact moment look at that guy 
<laughs> I, yeah, I exactly. think that, you know, um, if that's the worst case scenario, that's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, and we always said, you know, hey, look, if this is something that we do for a couple of weeks or a couple of podcasts and then fizzles out, let's have some fun with it. I like that. And I think most people today um, probably get the vast majority of their news and information from Twitter. You know, so I was sitting there and I was watching um, a couple of things on YouTube today and it was it was just just random clips. I don't even remember particularly what it was. And something just struck me. It was just like, God, there is just so much negativity right now. I mean, it's been going on for years. I mean, this is a new phenomenon, but there's so much negativity. And I mean, and I just like, you know what? I We have this voice. We have this as small as and humble as it may be right now. I'm going to use it. I went on Twitter on our page and I started this little rant and I was just like, this is the way that media operates is essentially, you know, you throw out the most outlandish, controversial, whatever state as loud as you possibly can. And it gets ratings, you know, I mean, and I, I, I talked a lot about, you know, just why this works. It got me thinking why we're doing this podcast is because we'd recognize the fact that there is this negative this negativity that's constantly prevalent on the internet especially and we're trying to put out a positive message you know we're, we're going to have different ideas we're going to try to in the uh, both sides of the argument a lot of cases you know and kind of go from there to, to jump yeah, go in ahead. here um one of the things that many people lose sight of is that the media is not in the business of presenting facts. They're in the business to make money. And it's been right. that way for a very long time in America for at least 120 years since I believe William Randolph Hearst started selling ads and trying to make mm -hmm. money. And people saw that he was making a lot of money and they went, oh, that's a good way to make money. So let's start doing that. And no longer is the media a platform for conversations. It's a platform for right. yelling. And as you said, Stephen, it really is becoming a who can think up this most outrageous idea and get it out there. I mean, we just had uh, – there was a shooting in Washington, D.C. that was based on a fake news story. And it right. was just because, you know, which was a big thing. Yeah, and it was just yeah, because that was a big problem was in, had with the election and everything. And so, just kind of start heading to where we are trying to get to. We really wanted to tackle this week this notion of the freedom of speech and kind of look mm -hmm. into what is a free the freedom of speech, why is it guaranteed, and then kind of go into some of the other. Uh, the background for it, and some of the things that we see today with the uh, freedom of speech and and stuff like that. So, yeah. so let, why don't I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and you know we'll just start right off with that, and you know let's let's actually let's see what it actually is, and what we're obviously talking about is the First Amendment. So yeah, um, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the, of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government 
for a redress of grievances. So, you know, what we're going to be focusing on right now is the freedom of speech. Um, and one of the biggest misconceptions is what does the freedom of speech actually mean? What is it protecting? And what it protects is governmental influence because the First Amendment was ratified and incorporated in all of the state's constitutions. The Bill of Rights uh, is in every state's constitution, so it applies to the state governments as well. But it is the prohibiting of government controlling and prohibiting different types of speech. But it's not, you know, it doesn't protect speech exclusively. It is what it protects is a government saying that you can't say something. That is what the freedom of speech actually means. Yeah. And as you were talking about, Stephen, I'm kind of going to try and give it a historical background. And to do that, we kind of need to go back into when the Bill of Rights was introduced. And it, it kind of has to do with the constitutional crisis. We had this Articles of Confederation and it was just a bunch of, of states kind of loosely affiliated and they met a crisis and they found out, hey, this Articles of Confederation doesn't work. We need to get something that gives the, the central government a bigger say-so in how the country as a whole is going to be governed. And there were a lot of people, namely Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, uh, and my wife will kill me if I get – uh, Thomas Jefferson wrong, but I'm fairly sure he's part of the Constitution, but I probably am wrong about that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a historian, but my wife is much better at the American history. So, Well, let's uh, be honest. We all marry better than you know we are ourselves. All of our wives are smarter than we are. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, is <laughs> we, their, and, it is, and it is with their permission that we're doing this. So. But anyways, exactly. uh, I'm very sure that Madison was a big proponent of the Bill of Rights, and what he was saying, and with Alexander Hamilton and John Jay, the three of them kind of defended the Constitution, but to get it ratified, they had to give the state something that the Constitution did not give, which was a list of rights for the average person. And this Bill of Rights kind of come, comes about as a – you. You ratify the Constitution, and we will ratify the Bill of Rights, and eventually that's what happened. But the first one was this big thing about no establishment of, of religion, cannot prohibit the free exercise of religion, but then abridging the freedom of speech. And that really is where the big thing is, is that they do not want the government to say what is and is not acceptable. They want – the people to say to the government, this is right or this is wrong. And if the government comes in and says, no, you can't say that, then the Declaration of Independence is completely gone because, I mean, in the Declaration it says when in the course of human events it becomes necessary to dissolve the bounds between government and her people. And I'm paraphrasing that, but that principle of questioning the government needs to be there. Right, and that's well, where to, we have this freedom of speech. Goes right along with the freedom of press. It was this idea, and what made America so great and so much different than any other country was this idea of a legitimate opposition, a legitimized 
minority because you, you know and like we see today you know i mean right now the democratic party is supposed to be that legitimate opposition they are the ones that are supposed to remain a a voice for people that are fighting for different issues than than in this particular case the republican party but you also have other legitimized oppositions you know that you have the libertarian party you have the green party you have the environmental party you know all the different parties that you have political parties that have their own agenda yes but they are supposed to be treated with a certain amount of respect and legitimacy that allows for them to exist when you look at tyrants when you look at the history with dictators and everything what you see is if you oppose the party in power or the man in power then you were going to have to be dealt with that was what the american founders wanted to eliminate they wanted people to be able to voice opposition without fear of repercussions from the government itself the people in power they didn't want they wanted to have some ability to voice displeasure with what was going on but does that mean that it gives you the unabridged right to say whatever is on your mind and, and I know, also I want to add into that just because you have that right, should you exercise it in every case? Well, and I think that's and we're going to we're going to definitely get into that. But I want to bring Bradley in right now, because Bradley, you have a you you have a congregation and an audience that pays you to tell them things, essentially. I mean, and I'm belittling it a little bit for, you know, a. a mild yeah. yeah but i mean but let's be honest you have people that pay your salary pay your well uh for your well-being and then drive to hear you speak so right. you know that's you know does that mean that you you obviously have a platform you know yeah you have a responsibility. So, you know, how does the First Amendment in and of itself apply to to you? Does it give you free reign to say whatever you want? I mean, I mean how, how does it apply to your job in particular? Um, so the first thing I'll say is, as it relates specifically to what we've been talking about uh, so far, I, as, as a paid pastor, as a paid clergy person in a church in the U.S., because it is qualified under 501c3 for tax purposes— if what I say is is so firmly entrenched in one political ideology or another, I threaten the loss of that 501c3 tax status. Um, and so that in and of itself is a limitation of not necessarily what I say, but I, I would say how I say it. Um, okay. and, and so there is that limitation. And I, I think that's a limitation that, uh, that Davey would have as well, that it doesn't oh, necessarily... Yes. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to change your opinions or your beliefs on things, but how you present it does change. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I think it, it takes to heart the, the responsibility that anyone with a platform should be having in the back of their minds at all times, that I am able to influence people and that I should take that seriously. Um, this can't just be the me show. It can't just be what I think, but it needs to be something that is true and something that is for the benefit of the people first and foremost. And I, I think that's what, I mean, it's, it's something that Mill 
talked about, especially in his philosophical things on liberty, you know, when, when we have freedoms, they can be exercised to our heart's content, except when limiting those freedoms prevents harm to others. And I think that's, that's the sticky wicket for a lot of what we get into with the freedom of speech. There are certain common sense limitations that need to be put in place. Limitations of freedom, you know, based on libel or slander, obscenities, sedition. I mean, all those kinds of things. Things that create threats and, and harm and problems. For me as a pastor, it's, it's tricky because, yes, I do have a congregation who pays for my compensation so that I can be in ministry full time. And yes, part of that is an expectation and a desire to hear me speak, and, and in a lot of cases to hear what I think and, and what I've learned and, and, and how I interpret things and, and the, the message that I've been given. But to a certain extent, we all fall back into the, the temptation of, I want to hear what I want to hear. And, and I think that is often an, an underlying motivation for when we want to express the freedom of speech and when we want it to be limited. And I, I think especially one of the conversations I've heard most vehemently argued in, in the past few weeks, and I mean, it started obviously months ago, but the nonviolent protesting of the national anthem that was certainly not started by Colin Kaepernick, but was certainly made more publicized because of Colin Kaepernick. The, the more recent uh, bout of burning flags in protest, which again, I would say would fall in the category of a nonviolent protest, certainly less violent than many other forms of protesting at least. And, and a lot of the conversations I've been hearing have been more leaning towards this kind of thing should never happen because it is so disrespectful, because it is a, because it's, it, it seems to be a portrayal of values and, and beliefs and ideologies that many people in this country hold. And that's not a bad thing to disagree with. It. That's one of the things that makes this country great is we can disagree and, and we often do. Right. But I think I, that's, that's part of the tricky thing is should it be protected or should it be limited in those kinds of circumstances? Well, and I, wanted, I wanted to jump in because I was actually I, – I, I, on Facebook, I actually – posted a um something i think i did on twitter looking for a poll and, and you know and obviously you know i'd like for our listeners to go in and participate in that because what i what i asked was this is the first amendment freedom of speech uh in particular is it a sword or is it a shield because and i also said is it both and is it neither you know is it fair to actually say that it's a sword or a shield I, i've always taken it to be um you know to protect things to protect citizens in particular from being able to say certain things and to be able to voice displeasure because let's let's be real it's the it's the unwanted discussions that are had or the unwanted freedom or the speech that is causing the problems it's kaepernick taking a knee it's the burning of an american flag those are the issues that people don't want to hear about don't want to see and so those are the ones that they have a problem with. No one cares when somebody goes out there and says, God bless America. Nobody – no, well, very few people will care. This is America. Obviously, someone's going to care, and they're going to have a problem with it. But very few people, I would imagine, would actually voice their displeasure at someone going on the news and saying, God bless America. You go on the news, and you say, you know what? I'm not happy with what America is doing right now, and so I'm going to make a protest. I'm going to burn the flag. I do think that you're right, Bradley, that – 
you have to look at what your goal is. And I, and one thing that I was going to uh, point out is you have a job to do. Davey, you have a job to do, and I have a job to do. It is very important that when we are in our role as a lawyer, a minister, or a teacher, that we are fulfilling our job duties. That means that we are limited a little bit in what we say, what we spout off, because Bradley, your political views, I imagine, are not part of your job description. Same thing goes for Davey and myself. But it goes to you know this idea that when you are trying to accomplish something, how are you? How what is the best way for you to do it? Trevor Noah recently just had a an interview with a Facebook poster media person. I, I honestly, I, her name starts is Tomi something. I honestly don't know enough about her. I'd never seen her before. But they were talking, and she was really blasting Kaepernick in one of her videos. Like, you know, this is it's it's his freedom of speech to do that. It's my freedom of speech to blast him for it. And so Trevor Noah was saying, you know, why? You know, what would you have him do? You know, you go out into the streets, you march, you protest. People don't like that. You literally do nothing but take a knee during the national anthem, and people are offended. What is the appropriate way? And I think that's the crux of it. Does your speech accomplish what you are trying to accomplish? If it doesn't, then I don't. I think that it goes back to you shouldn't. You shouldn't do it because you're not accomplishing your goal. Let's take the burning of the flag issue right now. Is burning of the flag a symbolic speech that is protected by the First Amendment? One hundred percent. It is. That is a, a <laughs> as I'm sure you were aware of, that is a big old can of worms. It is. Um, it really is. And it's one of those things of when you look at historically, there is an entire section of law that has to deal with how you deal with the flag. And it's, it's the, I believe it's the flag code and it, mm-hmm. uh, just looked it up on Wikipedia. It's chapter one of Title Four of the United States Code. So, I mean, there's an entire list of ways to deal with flag, and it includes never being, never touching uh, the ground. Yep. Uh, when do you need to do this? Uh, when you need to take it down? How do you fold it? Stuff like that. Yeah. Everything and that it, Big Daddy taught us when we were growing up about. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, it also includes things such as the American flag should never be printed on an article of clothing. Exactly. Um, which, that, that if it is, it which, should be a patch for military insignia, that that is the official usage. Right. But there again, I, I mean, we we bend and we break the rules whenever it suits us. And, and going back to what you yes. said, Stephen, about the, the presentation of an argument, and if we aren't accomplishing it, let alone the message, but the, the actual communication and the articulation of that, if it's not working, then we should just not. Right. And, and I'd push back against that a little bit, saying that you know I, I think that deeper down, what Trevor Noah's conversation with uh, I believe it's pronounced Tommy Lauren or, or Laren, uh, L A H R E N, that that fundamentally it's a disagreement in the premise of the protest, not the form of protest. That's it's a superficial argument we get into, and we see the futility in it when when we have a conversation like Trevor Noah had with with her that if you're not happy with this kind of nonviolent protest even nonverbal protest or at least non-audible protest you're not happy with marching demonstrations you're not happy with rioting you're not happy with any of these forms 
then what we really see is you're not happy that there is a disagreement. You're not right. happy that there is someone who says, I'm not happy with things that are happening in this country or the direction this country is taking. And that should be a, a belief and a view that we all can readily attach to because we have all felt that way at a certain point right. that we don't agree with the direction. We don't agree with certain things. And that's part of what makes this country great is that we do have a say in the direction and we do have a voice, which is what the freedom of speech is trying to protect, that the people maintain a voice right. in the direction. And yeah, and it's it's definitely, you know, and obviously that's what we're trying to do here is we are trying to use our voices in a positive way. We want people to recognize the fact that, look, we we are trying to say, look, please talk, please use your voice, please do it in a civil and reasonable way. Don't don't burn a flag just because you can. Don't sit down for the national anthem just because you can. Colin Kaepernick, I, I mean, and we, we could have a whole discussion about Colin Kaepernick's protests and everything, but if his goal, and, I, and I, based on what he was saying when it first started and everything, this is what I believe his goal was. He saw injustice happening with African Americans, specifically with regards to the police uh, treatment of African Americans. He was seeking to make a statement in some way that would allow the public and force the public – is probably a better way to put it – is force the public to actually have a conversation about it. It isn't a pleasant conversation. These are not going to be pleasant conversations that the public needs to have. But you have to have them. Is there – and th this is what it ultimately – I think that Colin Kaepernick, unfortunately, his message got lost. And I think that it's unfortunate because I think that his original message was definitely positive. His message was there's a problem with the way that police treat African Americans. I want to have a formal discussion about that, and I want to affect change by that. But then it became about – are you offending military people? The narrative changed. And that's the unfortunate thing because – and it's what happens all the time. Unfortunately, Somebody, yes. Someone so, someone just comes in and, and hijacks what he was trying to do. And I mean right. you're always going to hear people say, well, he's doing it. Uh, he is benefiting from the same country that gave him that right. And sure. they're absolutely right. He is benefiting. But the last time I checked, he still is an American citizen, and he is using whatever stage he has to try and force a conversation. And, well, and unfortunately, let's be, let's be real. That, that conversation is not being had because now it's more a matter of is he doing it for this reason or is he doing it for publicity? Is he doing it because he was second string and he wasn't getting his time in the limelight? And I mean you is can it, always cast doubt on anyone's motives. Right. But you have to look at their stance because to my knowledge, he has been starting for the past couple of games. Is that correct, Saban? Yeah, he's, I think and, he's been starting so, I mean, out he's, for four or five games. He's he's in the limelight now, and he still is kneeling or stooping or whatever he wants to call it. So I do think that if his demeanor had changed once he got back into the 
the limelight, then I think that rationale. Yeah, it would have questioned his motives even more than were already being questioned. Uh, And I think he. But that that. hasn't happened. So he, he, you do have to start looking at what is he actually trying to say. And I think that just kind of bring it back. There was a a teacher back in September who was teaching about the First Amendment and teaching about the the rights of freedom of speech and basically he protested so to speak he trampled on the flag and stuff like that but he did it in a place that was or a military actually did it in Fayetteville North Carolina uh, which is where Fort Bragg is and some people were very offended by that for obvious reasons but I think what and it's one of those things of this is where I'm going to bring in an educator standpoint he was trying to make a meaningful, memorable occasion. He wanted to make sure that the students knew what freedom of speech actually looks like. Now, in in my opinion, I think he went a little too far because as a public school teacher, you, as, as Bradley is, you, we are limited in what we can and cannot do because we of our standing. We are in a position of authority by definition, and because of that, we cannot influence conver- or when we're having conversations of a difficult nature, whether that is politics, which in this particular case or this particular year was very difficult to have an objective opinion. And also, when we have something like this that is happening in the school system, that kind of shows that he he might have taken it just a little too far. But I bet you, right now, those students will know what freedom of speech does look like. Right, and that's kind of a double-edged sword that he was he was walking on. He got his point across, but it got him fired as well. Right. So and, and there was actually more recently there was another situation with a teacher and no one was talking about it from a freedom of speech perspective, but I want to because I want to I think it really goes with what we're trying to say, which is, you know, you have to use the freedom of speech in a responsible way. And, and I think that's uh, that's a very fine line. You shouldn't be using your freedom of speech solely for the purpose of doing it. When you do things that are controversial, then you have to look at what are you trying to accomplish and can you accomplish it by doing that. There was a teacher recently that lost her cool a little, little bit in the, in the classroom. <laughs> that's um, an understatement. That's an understatement. And effectively what she said was to her students that looked to be primarily African-American – that they're going to, I believe it was, you're going to grow up to be punk ass in word, and you're going to get shot. You're going to, you know, that that was the message. And I thought about that, and and this teacher was fired, and the primary reason was because of the racial slur that she used. The that was what was put out in the papers. That was what the message in the media was all about. And I thought about it, and I said. One, freedom of speech doesn't protect her from saying whatever she wants to say in the classroom. That's not what we're saying. But it goes back to what are you trying to accomplish? Now, Davey, you can speak to this. You you teach in a middle school setting. Children that age are very difficult. 
from time to time. <laughs> from time to time. And your and- job is to reach them in a way that will potentially alter their course sometimes and make it and make for a better life to educate them. And that is, uh, and that's what I think uh, all good teachers are aspiring to do is that at some point be a catalyst for change in a student's life. Now, sometimes it's a small catalyst. Sometimes it's a large catalyst. And one of the things that I have been preached at, uh, for lack of a better term, sorry, Bradley, <laughs> but well, it's a good word. <laughs> it, it really is because it really is a a understanding of you've got to do this if you want to be successful. And that is that you have to have relationships and positive relationships with your students. And it's something that all t- good teachers have is that they have a good relationship with their students. But the problem that I see here is that that relationship and I will grant you, I've only seen just what they show you on in the, the internet, video. just a couple yeah. of, I think it's less than 30 seconds long. But just by looking at that, there was no relationship whatsoever. Right. And at least I, not positive. There was a longer video that I was actually able to find. Um, I think it was a little over a minute. And this is what I believe. And this is what I think. And this is why I do believe that this teacher should have been fired. Not because she used the N-word, but because she wasn't effective at her job. She lost her cool. She lost her ability to communicate in an effective way. And the reason we know that is because the message isn't that we're hearing. It isn't that there's a teacher that cares so much about her students and what they are potentially going to grow up to be that she is telling them very bluntly, you are going to end up dead. That's not the message. The message is she used the N-word. She has to go. My message is she's not effective. She lost the ability to be effective when she decided to scream at her students. We all know we've we've been in you know we've all worked we've all worked at the daycare been around children. Davy, you have a three year old. I have a fifteen month old. We know screaming, yelling at children, not an effective way to communicate. She didn't get her point across, and that's what I'm uh, bringing it back to the freedom of speech. She, from a constitutional standpoint, can she say the N word and be punished by the quote unquote government? No, she can say it. But that doesn't mean that there's not consequences from a private sector. Doesn't mean that you know you you can't get fired from your job. But my point is, even using offensive language, if done in the appropriate way, where you are conveying a message, and that message is it lands, then I think that that's an appropriate use of your freedom of speech. When you use the freedom of speech. Instead, to hide behind the fact that oh, you can't say anything, I, I have freedom of speech. You know, you, you don't want to trample my freedom of speech. You know, I can say whatever I want. No, you got to be more grown up than that. I do want to take uh, there, what you just said about she had every right to say that. I don't think she did have that right as a an employee of a public school 
because this is, and you're absolutely and you're absolutely right. I when I said that I was more talking about as a private citizen. Oh, as a private citizen, you can say what you want, and you cannot be be shut down by the government. But and as you said, she will have to deal, or you will have to deal with it in a private sector. As in, if you use hate speech. You can be sued for libel or you can be sued for slander and stuff like that. Right. Even though, yes, it is your freedom of speech. Well, let's be real. You can also certain... be punched in the face. You know? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There you are consequences. There, there are consequences. The difference is that those consequences cannot come from the government. And I think a lot of people have lost sight about that, that, yes, this is a free country in terms of things that you can do cannot be punished by the government right that doesn't mean that as you said you're going to get punched in the face well, you certainly th- can be and they are well within their rights to a certain extent <laughs> when i think that speaks i mean there there's a profound misunderstanding that most everyone has with what it means to live in a free country or a free society or to have freedoms freedom is not really i get to do say think act whatever, how I want. What, what freedom that, that the U.S., that, that free democracies around the world are, are founded on is the freedom of not being under tyranny, freedom of being a person and having a voice and being involved. It is freedom to be part of a society as an equal member. That, that's as an equal member. That is the basic foundation for what freedom is. But freedom in a society is all based on checks and balances. Like you said, Stephen, you are free to say whatever you want. Anybody you say it to is also free to punch you right in the face. Right. Now that's the, the yeah. that's the checks and balances. Right. And it's to a certain it's extent, you know, kind of taken to a uh, to an extreme. But that's the balance that we live in that freedom for for me, for you, uh, for Davey is limited by our positions, by our responsibilities, by our own desires not to have an uphill struggle with work and with the people we're around on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But but more generally, it is limited by we are in a society with other people, and we don't want to be the squeaky wheel all the time. We don't want to be the thorn in everyone's side. We don't want to be the asshole. We, right. we want to be a functioning, helpful, constructive member of society, which is what freedoms are meant to be, is that we build each other up, not that we tear each other down. And, and I, I think one of the interesting things, at least from my perspective coming from you know the church, the church historically has been very bad <laughs> with the freedom of speech. I mean, you, you look back into the seventh century and Galileo was you know brought before the inquisition because he said the sun doesn't revolve around the earth the earth revolves around the sun and his punishment from the inquisition from the the institutionalized church was a lifetime of house arrest because of what he said because of what he believed because it challenged their worldview martin luther same thing and i mean there have been countless others that because of what they said and and in many cases what has been proven true either by science or, or by more research or just by human experience over centuries, it, it doesn't take away from the fact that it challenged people's world's view, worldviews. And when that happens, it doesn't matter if what the other person says is right or protected or anything like that. We don't like it. 
and we don't want to hear it. And if we don't want to hear it, we want it to be limited or punished in some kind of way, whether it's from us personally, from the private sector, or from the government. But the freedoms that we have in a democracy, which I understand we are a republic, uh, or well, we're an oligarchy masquerading as a republic anyway. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're foundationally not into we're that republic. Debate here. <laughs> uh, that'll that'll be a hundred podcasts in. That can be our hundredth anniversary special. There you go. There you uh, go. But you know, we we have this freedom that yes, we can say and think and do, and yes, there are consequences, and yes, there are difficulties, and there are obstacles, and there are difficult growing pains. But we are invested in that process, as difficult as it is, because we know that the alternative hinders growth at every possible level. Right. And I think that, I mean, that's that's a great way to sum this up, um, you know, and, and kind of bring this to the close. Absolutely, I think that what we're, what we're trying to say is, yes, you have a freedom of speech. You have to be careful in how you exercise that, because you want to make sure that when you speak – people listen. We hope that people are listening to what we have to say. One of the things that I said today is uh, two, two famous celebrities, one more so than the other, one only a few people will know. But I talked about uh, Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff years ago wrote a, um, a book that was called Controversy Creates Cash. Now, if you don't know, Eric Bischoff was the president of WCW, Back in the heyday with the Monday Night Wars in the in the nineties, uh, yes, I am a wrestling fan. You'll just you know, uh, you'll make f- better word is fanatic. You well, will make fun of me form, like my yeah. wife. Yeah, my wife makes fun of me. It's okay. I'm not ashamed. It, it is who I am. But what his point in the book was, and what he utilized in WCW was this idea: if I put out controversial material, if I push the envelope people will watch. And he was absolutely right. He pushed the envelope. And then the other person that I talked about was Howard Stern. And I said, Howard Stern didn't demoralize, didn't ruin, didn't break America's moral fabric. What he did was he recognized the fact that the public wanted this type of entertainment, tapped into it, and has built an empire because of it. I mean, and and that's what's going on. If CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of those news organizations weren't listened to, weren't watched, didn't have the ratings, and they were sitting up there yelling about things, saying controversial things, pushing out a negative agenda like they do, if they weren't doing well in the ratings, they would stop. What they're doing is they are giving the public what the public is asking for. And the reason that I say they're asking for is because they're watching it. They're not turning it off. They're not changing the channel. You know, I, in a very humble way, I tried to, you know, hashtag change the channel. You don't like what's being said, change the channel. Find different outlets. That's what we're trying to do. We're going to try to present a positive message in a world that is full of negative messages. Um, So our message today is, yes, you have a freedom of speech. However, use it responsibly. Just because you have the right to say something doesn't mean you should. Doesn't mean that, you know, we need to be saying what the first thing that comes in our mind. What are you trying to accomplish? Be reasonable. And when you see somebody saying something to you or doing something that you don't agree with, like taking a knee 
Think about the bigger picture. Think about why are they doing this? Are they doing it because it's offensive? Is your gut reaction to someone burning the flag, I'm offended because I'm an American and don't do that? I can promise you, Davey Bradley and I, our gut reaction to someone burning the flag is how dare you? We grow up with a military grandfather who taught us how to respect the flag and to respect America. So yes, our immediate reaction, how dare you? You have to get beyond that. You have to realize, what are they trying to say? If they're just being an asshole, they're just being an asshole. They're not worth your time. They're not worth your effort. Move on from it. They have a right to do it. Yeah, move on from it. But they may have a message, and it may not be a pleasant message that you want to hear. But the important thing that we need to remember right now is you have to hear these important messages. You have to have these difficult conversations so that we can change, so that we can better ourselves. Government's not, not doing it. You know, you, you see two political uh, parties that are constantly saying the sky is blue. No, the sky is purple. And, and that's literally what they are doing at this point. If one party says one thing, the other is going to say the exact opposite. And the reason is, is because they recognize the only way for them to continue to have their livelihood is to continue to get reelected. So they say what they think that the constituents want to hear. If the constituencies change what they are promoting, Across the board, politics would change. Media would change. If what got ratings was a small little podcast that is, you know, three brothers talking about, you know, important issues in a respectful way, if that became the number one show on iTunes and, you know, we get our own network and blow up and we're the biggest things ever, now I'd be able to quit my job. There you go. I would too. (laughs) If that happens, And reason and logic and civil discourse became the most popular thing in America, other outlets would change. Other people would adapt because follow the money, follow the cash. And if you can make cash and make a difference by being positive instead of negative, other people will follow suit. That's what needs to change. Yep. And to kind of, uh, I guess, kind of leave everyone with a warm, fuzzy feeling, one of the things – yeah. What I kind of want to close with is the story of the three tests. I don't know if y'all are familiar with it, but it's basically almost 2,000 years old, uh, and it's it's a story about Socrates. And basically, one day a great philosopher came upon his acquaintance, Socrates, and, and said, Socrates, do you know what I heard about one of your students? Socrates says, wait a minute. Before you tell me, I need you to have it pass a little test. And this is called the test of three. Before you talk to me about my student, let's take a moment to test what you're going to say. The first is truth. Have you made absolutely sure that what you were about to tell me is true? No, actually, I just heard about it. Says, all right. So you don't know if it's true or not, but now let's go to the second test. The second test is goodness. Is what you were going to tell me about my student something good? Well, no, actually, on the contrary. So, Socrates continued, you want to tell me something bad about him, even though you're not sure that it is true. But it might pass the third test, which is the filter of usefulness. Is what you want to tell me about my student going to be useful to me? No, not really. Well, if what you want to tell me is neither true, nor good, nor useful, 
Why tell it at all? And as Stephen was saying, that's kind of what we're trying to do here is what we want to do. It might be good. It might not be true all the time, but it is trying to be useful. Uh, it is. And, and, we, and just so I can clarify, yes, we are going to try to be good. We are going to try to be truthful. Speak um, for yourself. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yes, we, we, we absolutely want to be a useful outlet. Speaking of which, please listen, go to Twitter, go to Facebook. We're still working on the website, but we do have an email address. You can email us from our Facebook page, or you can just email us at tpraround at outlook.com. We are constantly on social media. We want to be involved with our audience. We want to be engaged. If something that we said <laughs> offends you, please Keep let us know. when it's. A, <laughs> yeah, because you don't have a right to say it. No. <laughs> That's right. Yes. It's my freedom of speech, right? <laughs> That's right. No, please, um, please let us know if there's something that you disagree with. Please let us know if there's something that you agree with. You know, like, share, you know, do all this stuff. We are, we're doing this not because we're hoping to get rich and famous from it, obviously, because not right now we're just, you know, spending money trying to get this up and running. We want to. We we feel like it's a, it's a, kind of our civic duty. We we want to present a positive message. So I I think that's a good place to leave it as any. Um, Bradley, anything to add? Uh, something that's actually just been kind of going through my head. Something uh, a quote that came to my mind. It's actually from Mad Men from the third season. Don Draper, who's uh, as much as I love that show, and and Matt Weiner did an amazing job creating that show with AMC. But it, it's a, a line and from a character who's obviously not a great role model. But what he says as an ad uh, exec and, and a marketing whiz is if you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. And I think that's exactly what we've seen in the media. It's exactly what we've seen from the powers that be whenever we're talking about in the context that it's just changed the conversation. I think what we all have to keep in mind is have the important conversations, have the difficult conversations. Those are the ones worth having. But do them in a way that is good, that is helpful, and and hopefully, with all sides considered, is at least aiming at the truth. Right. And hashtag change the channel. I'm going I'm to keep saying that until maybe, maybe it starts trending worldwide and, you know, it'll make my, make my entire life worth living. <laughs> if something I started gets to be trending worldwide, I would love it. And with that, I guess we will go ahead and sign off. We want to thank you for tuning in to Teach, Preach, and Reach Around. We will have a new episode up in the next week or so. Be sure to check back. Hopefully, we will see you then.